Hey nerds, welcome back to another episode of Movies with G-Rose. That's right, I called you a nerd. You're listening to a movie podcast, so either you're my friend or you're a nerd, but that's okay. I'm a nerd too. Last week's episode did really well. I think it did better than the Marriage Story episode, but for whatever reason, the first episode is is doing better. I guess people just love to watch the first episode of something. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple Music or a podcast app, I just want to take a second to remind you that it's available everywhere, including YouTube. If you want to watch me do my thing and pull up videos and whatever, go ahead and visit me on YouTube. All the links will be found in the description of wherever you're watching this, listening to this, anchor.fm slash with Gros. That's the best way to do it. Also, I've heard that if you rate my podcast on iTunes, um, I don't know if you can do it on other platforms, but apparently rating a podcast actually helps it get seen. So I'm going to take a second just to beg for that. Today's episode is going to be a little different. I wasn't able to lock down a guest, but that's okay. We're going to be talking about something that I've actually been interested in talking about for a while. Excuse me. I've, uh, I gotta stop saying, uh, I was going to make a video, an actual edited video about this subject, but it never ended up happening. And the last time I wanted to do it, I rambled for quite a bit and I was struggling to cut it down into a digestible YouTube video. So I think for a solo podcast, it's going to fit well. Probably not going to be a super long episode. Definitely not going to be as long as the Spider-Man episode. I would love to have a guest on for next week. Actually, next week is going to be 2019 in review with my buddy Jack. So we're going to be talking about films that we saw in 2019. Not every film we've seen, but our favorites and kind of go from there. Future episode, I still want to, I still want to do a Star Wars episode where we talk about the sequel trilogy, but... I really want to get a guest on here for that because I think it would be fun to bounce ideas off of another person for that one. Because I, spoiler alert, generally like the films. So I think getting someone on here that doesn't really like them a whole lot would be more interesting. So today, what I want to talk about is criticism. uh, Film criticism. I mean, most of what this podcast is is criticizing films and i think that for criticism in general there's a lot of nuance that i think is interesting to explore i think that there's so much context in the way that we criticize certain things criticize films and i think that not only our judgments are subjective, but how we judge things is subjective as well. And those two things kind of mean the same thing, but I guess what I'm getting at is everyone doesn't necessarily rate things the same way because of how they contextualize those ratings with other ratings. It's like a whole different world of criticism that you can dive into that separates from just what you like and what you don't like, but you start developing 
a taste. And that taste can kind of give an insight into not just what you like, but why you like it. Um, I mean, it's, where do I start? The obvious start is um, we like things based on personal experiences in our own lives, um, how much you can relate to a film. You know, if you, if you watch a film with a protagonist that struggles with the same things that you struggle with, I think that's the most basic instinctual way to relate to a film and relate to a character. I mean, most, most artists, when they sit down and they create something, they're expressing their own person in that thing. Uh, not, not everyone does this, but that's where most people start. You know, a director will or a writer will make the protagonist themselves in a lot of ways. And it's not until they evolve as an artist that they're able to kind of step outside of themselves and try to explore a different character. But what I'm getting at is the base level for a lot of people is relating things to your own personal life. Um, beyond that, though, is when you start you start criticizing things based on how you've criticized other movies, how you've experienced other movies. You know, if I like to think that there's more factors for most people that go into how much you like a movie than just the movie itself. I don't necessarily know if that should be a factor. I'm going to say that it probably shouldn't. But, you know, if you watch a horror movie in theaters on, or if you watch like a blockbuster film on opening night in the theaters, it's a very, very different experience than if you're watching that film on an airplane or on your laptop. And it, it's going to affect the way that you experience that film that doesn't have anything to do with how the film was created necessarily. Um, all of these things kind of define your preferences for genres, for performances, for actors, for settings, for pacing. You know, if you grew up watching a certain type of film that's going to influence your your preferences moving forward. And that yes, that's technically, you know, a personal experience in your life, which I already talked about, but it kind of goes beyond that as well because now you're getting into personal experiences with watching movies. You know, if you grew up watching horror movies, you're going to like horror movies more. You're going to rate them higher you're going to take them more serious maybe you don't maybe you are ultra critical about them maybe it just makes you watch more horror movies but i find it hard to believe that it's not going to also influence how you judge those movies if that makes sense beyond that um it <laughs> Many people are afraid of it, diving into uh, criticism, diving into um, taking a movie seriously because it looks daunting. Uh, they, they think that they need to know 
a lot about technicalities. They think that they need to know a lot about um, how a film is made, who's making films. You know, these things matter, but they're not necessary to start developing your own sense of criticism. You know, one, one of my one of my least favorite things is when people uh, start to gatekeep criticism. Um, gatekeeping means that you're almost determining what should be and what shouldn't be. You're saying that I'm the gatekeeper and I know who should be criticizing things and I know who shouldn't be criticizing things. You know, there is some truth to everything. You know, if someone comes up to you or, or someone says that, I don't think Joe Schmo, random person that only watches generic films, should have an equal say in their criticism. There might be a little bit of truth to that in the sense that, you know, maybe they haven't honed their taste as much. Maybe they don't particularly know exactly why they do or why they don't enjoy something. But to flat out say that that person's experience and judgment isn't relative is a disservice to art in general you know there is a an inherent quality to something being relative and there's very different types of movies in that sense there's you know there's there's art house films where you're you're not as concerned with being mainstream you're not trying to be popular and reach a giant audience you're trying to make something very artistic clearly made for people like myself or people that take films really seriously maybe too much so there's a difference between that and a blockbuster you know there you know avengers endgame is trying to reach the most amount of people possible but I don't think that that makes either film better than the other because you can make great films in both categories. And in fact, I think sometimes the best films are those that are able to bridge those categories. If you're able to make a super art house film that has nuance and a message that's really trying to say something and it's also a mainstream success, if you can do both of those things at the same time, that's that's a talent that should be recognized in the film. And on the flip side of that, if you're making something super, super relative and super, super artsy and technically amazing, but no one wants to see it, does that detract from the film? Perhaps a little. Perhaps the accessibility of it should be taken into account. Um, and, you know, on the same end, you know, some people make blockbuster movies that reach giant audiences that are genuinely great. You know, um, on screen right here, I have some of my top movies of all time. Um, and one of them technically not a movie, but black mirror episode, San Juniper was a mainstream success. A lot of people know about it. And it's also an artsy, well-developed message. You know, it bridged that gap in a way that, actually elevates the product even more than just how it stands on its own without an audience. But things don't exist in a vacuum. And that's kind of what I'm talking about is the way that an audience receives these things matters. It, it determines a level of worth in the product and it 
it's this weird cycle where like what people put into the product helps define what the product is. And sometimes a product is really able to capitalize that in like a meta way. Um, and sometimes a film doesn't care about any of that. Sometimes a film is just a film and they don't care about the audience and that's okay as well. Um, but getting back to, you know, criticizing and getting into criticism. Some people, some of these gatekeepers that I was talking about before, believe that if you don't create something, you don't deserve to criticize it. I've heard this about many things. I've heard it about music. I've heard it about film. I I really dislike that that statement. And may and of course I'm biased because I don't make film, and I don't make movies. I mean, I don't make music or, you know, I make podcasts and sometimes I'll make a YouTube video, but, you know, I don't create the things that I love to criticize. So obviously I'm biased, but I think that at the end of the day, if you're only making art for artists, you're missing out on kind of the point in some extent and and it wraps back around to what we were just talking about about being relative and reaching audiences and reaching people and being able you know if your film's able to connect with someone that's never created a film someone that doesn't know why they love a film they just know that they love it and they still love it even you know if if someone that doesn't isn't able to dive into the nitty gritty and say, oh, that's technically amazing, you know, from a direction standpoint or from a writing standpoint or from an acting standpoint, but they still think it's amazing. That is a valid opinion. And it, I, I just, I really have a problem with this idea. And look, that's not to say that, that's not to say that if you if you know how to create something it doesn't give you a little bit more authority because it does you know um if you know the basics of filmmaking you know the basics of like if you just know the difference between a director a writer an actor and how those things hold their own weight you're definitely going to be able to kind of pinpoint a film's strengths and weaknesses but to know what a mise-en-scene is you know to know the the very very specific nitty-gritties of filmmaking isn't as important and and there are things that you will pick up on over time if this is something that you care about if you care about films if you care about rating them and discussing them you will learn actors names you will learn directors names you'll You'll spend days Googling and and learning, and I don't think that the I don't think that you should be scared of getting into criticism. You know, criticism has such a negative connotation to it, but it doesn't have to be that way. And I think at the end of the day, reaching an audience is paramount, and you are an audience. You know, you might not be the exact target audience for whatever you're judging, but that's okay because I want to know how you thought about the film still. If, if, you know, it's easy to know how a target audience is going to react to a film. It's the other people that I am also interested in because you don't know how they're going to react. You know, if a film is, if a film is developed for millennials, 
it's going to go one of two ways. Either one, the film is a success because it's genuinely relatable to millennials, or it's going to tank because they missed the mark. They're trying to be something, but the writers clearly didn't know what they were doing. It's not a millennial film. Let's say, so in that sense, you, you, you can, you know, as soon as you watch the film, if you have a beat on what that is, if you know what a millennial film is, and you think that the film is doing it well or doing it poorly, you know how the millennial audience is going to react. But let's say a, a millennial film comes out with really hip millennial, or maybe it's Gen X, whatever, a young audience. Let's say it's a hit with that audience. Let's say they nailed it on the head. I also want to know how the older audiences are going to react to that. Are they going to find it accessible? Because on some level, it's interesting if they do, because then it's going to be able to teach that audience something about the target audience. Um, it, all, it all boils down to relativity. How am I going to rate this relative to myself? How am I going to rate it relative to the industry? How am I going to rate it relative to what I've rated before? And that that brings me into defining your scale. And, you know, it goes without saying that everything I'm talking about here is subjective as heck. You know, um, the way that I view criticism is subjective. You might not agree with the way that I structure my scale. By scale, I, I simply mean, you know, like my methodology of rating something. What I will give a, a film points for, what I will detract points for. What are the things that are important to me about a film? You may not agree with those things. And so I want to make it clear that nothing I'm talking about from here on out is, you know, I'm not saying this is the definitive way to, to do things, but like I said, it kind of gives you an insight into not only what I like, but why I like those things. Um, at the end of the day, honing your ability to criticize comes down to, are you able to determine details past good or bad? You know, a lot of people, they will know if they like something or if they dislike something. But many people don't know exactly why they dislike something or exactly how much they dislike something. They, you know, I've heard before from like my sister or um, maybe my mom or uh, friends of mine that aren't super into movies, but they still enjoy watching them. I've heard from these people that, you know, maybe I'll watch the same movie as them and I'll say, oh, well, I thought like the acting was pretty cheesy. And they'll say, oh, I mean, I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, I don't think I know enough to know if it was the acting that was bad, but um, yeah, I, I agree. Something about it felt cheesy. That little statement of like something about it, you know, that's, that's what I'm getting at is that you need to be able to determine why you don't enjoy something. The hardest one for me, or 
when I was first getting into reviewing films, the hardest thing for me to differentiate was between writing and acting because they're so, they go so hand in hand. You know, amazing writing can be butchered by terrible acting and vice versa. You can have, well, not so much on the other end. If you have something that's written terribly, you can elevate it with a good actor. You can, you know, you can have a great actor in something that has meh, writing and it'll make it better. But in my, in my opinion, you can never completely salvage a film that has terrible writing. If the story isn't sound, if the dialogue isn't good, um, it doesn't matter who you're going to put in the film. And I, I always say a good actor can't make a good film. It takes, it takes a lot more than just a good actor. I mean, let's look at Joker. Um, I would argue, and I think a lot of people would agree with me, that Joker isn't written super well. I mean, it's it has plot holes, inconsistencies. It has things that happen just for the sake of happening, but and yet and yet, Joaquin Phoenix is is being nominated for roles. Um, he's being nominated for best actor. He's won, I think, the Golden Globe. He won best actor, and at other you know award shows, he's won best actor. But how can that be the case if the writing isn't that good? I mean, he's not deter. I mean, he determines to an extent what he does, you know, and sometimes the writing of a script will be very detailed in what exactly you're doing, exactly how you're acting. And sometimes that's not. Sometimes an actor has more freedom. It depends on the film. What I'm getting at, though, is he was able to create an amazing performance from just okay writing because he's a phenomenal actor. You watch that film and you know that he's doing something great. You can feel the emotion that he's giving you, even though you don't necessarily think the story is concrete, his acting makes it feel more real. And therefore more people are going to overlook that writing. Myself included, I gave the film an 8 out of 10. And that's that's largely in part to his right to his acting. You know, if someone else stepped in this if someone was just okay as him, the writing would be so much more easily uh destroyed by audiences, you know, like if this guy sucked at acting, the writing would stick out a lot harder. So determining those differences between why you like something and why you dislike something is, is going to be the first step. And it's going to take a lot of time. Um, but it's fun to do that. You know, I, I talked about this a little bit in my first episode, but it's really, really hard to rate bad movies, actually. Um most people, when they think of reviewing films, they think of the blockbusters. They think of the classics, you know, and, and those are the things that intimidate them. But it's the terrible movies that I have a lot harder time reviewing. And, th- and there's a lot of reasons for that. You know, on screen right now, I'm pulling up my lowest rated films from least lowest rated to highest rated. Okay, now 
I know that all these films are bad, but I don't necessarily know why. On one hand, you're able to determine, like I said, is the acting bad? Is the writing bad? Is the direction bad? But rating anything below a 5 out of 10 is really difficult. You know, if 5 out of 10 is your average, average film, you know when something's below average, but how much? What's the difference between a 3 out of 10 and a 2 out of 10? And I think the the answer is you're not going to know until you start rating movies. Once I started rating films on Letterboxd, I developed my scale because I would rate, I would, you know, I would say, you know what, Jason X, this film wasn't very good. I know it wasn't very good. I'm going to give it uh, a two, uh, you know, a two out of 10. Let's just say whatever. Then I watch another film and it, Let's say I watched, um, I don't know, let's, let's say I watched Saw, the final chapter, and I said, while Saw was terrible, but I actually think I enjoyed it more than Jason X. So now I know that Saw has to be more than a 2 out of 10. You see what I'm saying? And so you start being able to determine a little bit better, you know, what's a 3, what's a 4, what's a 2, what's a 1, you know? It's a lot harder to do that when you don't have um, experience doing it, when you don't have anything to base it off of. You're just throwing darts at a dartboard and saying, okay, well, I guess that's where I'm landing. And to get back to, to an average 5 out of 10, some people might say to me, well, is that sounds weird. An average movie is 5 out of 10? But you have to keep in mind that this brings me to my next point, which is that people don't watch bad movies. I mean, sure, you might watch a, a movie that comes out in theaters, a blockbuster, a well-known mainstream bad movie like The Room or Suicide Squad, but there's a reason you watched that film. You watched it because it was mainstream. Maybe you watched uh, The New Jigsaw, bad film, but you watched it because it's part of a franchise. People don't go out of their way to watch terrible films. And, and if they do watch a terrible film, they watch it once and they move on and they never watch it again. And three years later, you'll be making a letterbox and you'll say, wow, well, yeah, I know I saw that movie, but I don't remember how bad it was. I just remember I don't like it. And the average quality of a film is different than the average movie that you watch, right? On average, a person watches movies that are six out of ten or above, you know, some people, it might be higher than that. Some people might not go out of their way to watch a film unless they know it's like a 7 or an 8 out of 10. Otherwise, you might not bother. You might just throw on something you've seen before. The average rating for a film isn't the most watched film. You know what I mean? So people don't end up watching, you know... I mean, when's a lot... I mean... Let's look at these films. Holmes and Watson. Yeah, some people saw it because it's got big people in it. Or Garfield from 2004. Or 
the Cloverfield Paradox. You know, people saw these movies once and they never watched them again. So how are you going to be able to to determine how much you disliked it? On the flip side of it, on the other end of the spectrum, you've got really great movies. This can also be difficult because you know that you really like a movie, but you don't know how much you like it. This one is a little bit more easy. For me and for other people, I feel like it's a lot easier to determine what's an 8 out of 10 for you and what's a 7 out of 10. People are able to visualize the difference between a C movie and a B movie and an A movie for that instance. I do think, however, that the difference between a 9 out of 10 and a 10 out of 10 is completely subjective. I don't think you're going to ever be able to say that a film is objectively perfect. I think, in my opinion, a film that's nearly perfect is a minimum 9 out of 10. It's an A. An A. 90%. That's That's pretty much a perfect film, right? It does everything right. You know, films that I have in a 9 out of 10 are um, Into the Spider-Verse, The Favorite, um, Three Billboards, Prisoners, Sicario. These are films that I have hereditary. I have these films at a 9 out of 10. Now, do I think that these films are worse than a 10 out of 10? Not necessarily. I think that for a film to be a 10 out of 10, that little extra point comes down to who you are and what you enjoy, what speaks to you personally. Something has to click. There has to be that moment where you're watching a film and you know it's a great film, but beyond it just being a great film, you know you love that film. I don't think there's a I don't think there's a single movie out there that does that for everyone. I know there isn't. People like different things. So for me, you know, any of the films that I have in my 9 out of 10, if I looked at someone else's list and I saw that they had it at a 10 out of 10 or vice versa, if my 10s were in their 9s, I don't disagree with them. I don't say, oh, well, that's wrong. Because I know that that difference is so subjective that we both agree that it's an amazing movie. You know, we both agree that technically it's great. But we don't have to agree on it being perfect. We don't have to agree on it being one of the best movies ever made. And those slots will change over time. You know, my 10s won't always be 10s. My 9s won't always be 9s. And I think that's an important point as well. The idea that our tastes change over time and our society's tastes change over time. Coming back to relativity, I'm of the opinion that a film doesn't stay the same quality forever. Some people really disagree with me on this. Some people will watch 
you know, for instance, I just for the first time ever watched The Godfather. Okay. I had never seen The Godfather. And it, um, I thought it was good. But I didn't think it was incredible. You know, I gave it an 8 out of 10. Thought it was pretty great. Worth watching for sure. Great movie. Some people would say, I mean, look at the look at the letterbox distribution. The the most common rating for this film on Letterboxd is a 10 out of 10. And if you go to those people many times and you say, well, what about the pacing of the film? It's kind of slow. Or what about the um, the message didn't really resonate with me quite as much? Or maybe in a, in a technical sense, it felt dated, it felt aged for whatever reason, it felt like an old movie whatever that means. Some people might say, well, for its time, blah, 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 blah. People say this about Star Wars constantly. For the time, it was amazing. What they're trying to say is that they value how that movie was was received when it came out on a level that I don't. I'm of the opinion that films should be criticized by today's standards because otherwise we're rating a film based on hype instead of based on merit. And and I don't know. Like I understand where they're coming from in saying that there's a lot of merit to what this film did when it came out. I mean, this film came out before the 80s and I think it actually holds up better than most films from this time period. I personally I don't love films from the 80s or 70s, anything earlier than that. The pacing, the way it's created, I can't look past it to an extent. I think this film does it better than most. I think it actually is able to accomplish kind of a modern day telling of the story from the 70s. And that's an accomplish. I understand that that has its own level of merit and should be respected in its own way. But I'm still going to judge it based on how, how much I enjoyed it. You know, if you throw on a movie from the 70s, you know, the thing I have problem with is, like, let's say Star Wars, the original one, or pick a movie from the late 70s. And, you, and, and it's got a cult following, right? You got people out there that love this film, or at least they tell you they do. They say, oh, I, you know, when it came out, it was amazing, and it did this thing, and it did that thing, and... But then if you actually try to watch that film with those people, how often are they checking their phone? How often are they spacing out? Or, I mean, checking your phone is the best example. If you check your phone, you're getting bored. That's how I kind of, deter- you know, if I start reaching for my phone a lot, I know a film's not keeping my attention as much. And if you're not engrossed in a film the entire way through, how can you give it a 9 out of 10 or a 10 out of 10? Just because when it came out, it was, it was, it was better than it is now. Maybe, you know, I, I have a, I have a disconnect for that. When I watched The Godfather, the middle hour of it slowed down a lot. All the stuff in Italy, I didn't really care about. It, I, it didn't add a whole lot to the film for me. And people might say, oh, well, they were trying to do this. Oh, they were trying to do that. Some people might genuinely think that, by today's standards, by their standards, it's a perfect movie. That's fine. But 
to rate this movie higher simply because it did more for its time is hard for me. Um, it's almost like judging a movie based on cultural relevance, which I talked about earlier, but it's a very, very fine line. Black Panther, a film that won tons of awards and got tons of recognition for respecting African-American filmmakers, that's an accomplish an accomplishment. You're able to pinpoint the cultural significance and how that film changed the industry. And that has its own level of merit. And I understand that. It's why it was respected so heavily. And it deserves that respect because giving it respect validates those movements within the industry. But on the other hand, if you look at that film on its own, without all of those aspects, it's one of the weaker MCU films, in my opinion. Maybe that's because I didn't relate to certain experiences. Maybe it's because I, I wasn't able, you know what I mean? But even still, it's it's hard to balance. It's hard to reconcile that. It's hard to reconcile that you didn't necessarily think it's an amazing MCU film, but you also understand that it it means more than the film itself. The art's impact on society means more than the art itself sometimes. But it's hard for me to reconcile that. The same applies to old films. Like Star Wars. I didn't see the original Star Wars until I was 18 years old. And by the time I watched it, it just felt like, you know, a worse version of what we have today. And some people are really going to disagree. I'm not even talking about Star Wars. I'm just talking about sci-fi. I'm just talking about the pacing and the intensity of of modern films is so different than any film made in the late 70s, regardless of how ahead of its time it was. So, yeah, I'll throw, you know, maybe I'll, you know, I remember just a couple years ago, I, my buddy Scotty, who was on the last episode, he had never seen Star Wars. And I'm like, what? I threw on the original, you know, A New Hope, and we're sitting there, we're watching it, and within 15 minutes we're both kind of on our phones and we're looking up, you know, for the, for the cool moments. And then we're back to our phone because there's a lot of nothing in that film. There's a lot of look at this cool area, this cool setting. It's a lot of showing off. It's like when a movie is showing off how great it's CGI is in the early two thousands. And it's really cool when it comes out because for that time period, it's genuinely amazing. And then you watch it today and it it hurts the film because they concentrated so much on those aspects that it the fact that those aspects don't hold up as well hurts it like if you go back and you watch avatar right now when avatar came out you know it's not an amazing script it's pocahontas you know in space but the effects were so groundbreaking and they focused on those effects in the theater experience so heavily that's what carried the film so now when you watch it, yeah, the effects are good. You know, they're they're good for its time, especially. Same with Star Wars. But it's not enough to carry it because now we have a different standard for effects. I'm not, I, I'm not even saying that Star Wars comes down to the effects or the CGI or the... Pra- I mean, what they did with practical effects is mind-blowing. The fact that they made that film when they did. But still, like I said, it's hard to reconcile 
how much of an effect that has on, on my review of the film. And it comes back to how am I contextualizing the film? Am I contextualizing it strictly based on its technical quality? Am I contextualizing the, the technical quality based on the time period? Or am I basing that technical quality based on today's standards? Or am I basing the film strictly on how it made me feel? You know, for me, I lean towards the first one. I, I lean towards a blend of the both. I care about how a film makes me feel, and I also care about how it's made. And some people might say, well, Tyler, how do you rate a film that isn't technically great, but you still really enjoy it? I'd use the like feature on Letterboxd. On Letterboxd, there's an ability to give something a heart, a like, um, that is separate from your actual number. I just pulled on screen John Wick Chapter 3. This movie is a soft 7 out of 10, in my opinion. It drags, it, it fatigues you on violence, and the first half is way better than the second. It might be a 6 out of 10, honestly, if I rewatched it. Nonetheless, it's got certain things about it that I love. The first handful of action sequences are the best I've ever seen. So I'm going to give this this movie a like, a heart. I know it's not amazing, but I love it for certain reasons. You know, this would also apply to like the original Spider-Man movies, you know, or something cheesy, something that you maybe know isn't, you know, a great film. But you love it for different reasons. You don't necessarily need it to be an amazing film for you to really like it. And some people will disagree with me. Some people will say that's all that that's what matters mostly. Some people will say, well, if you really liked it, who cares how good quote unquote it is? And again, this brings us back to how are you contextualizing it? How do you review a movie? How do you how do you rate an experience? If you go to the theater on opening night for Avengers Endgame and it is the most electric, exciting film watching experience of your life and that memory stays with you forever, do you factor that into your review? Do you separate it? How do you separate that? Every time you watch the movie from here on out, you're going to think about that experience and you're going to think about how great you felt. And it's going to make you feel better about watching it that next time you see it. Does that not give the film more value? Uh, it doesn't have to be Endgame. It could be, it could be anything. You know? Where were you the first time you saw Star Wars? A New Hope. What memories do you have with that film? Memories I don't have. But maybe you have memories of growing up and watching it with your family. Maybe you have memories of mimicking the lightsaber duels as a child and and your parents relating to it because they've seen the film and, and it's from their time as well. And so now every time you put it on, you you watch a scene or a small detail and it gives you a wave of nostalgia and maybe that has an inherent quality. Why shouldn't it? I don't know. I definitely think that plays a big part in the difference between a 9 and a 10. For instance, La La Land, one of my only 10 out of 10s. Do I think it's a perfect film? Yeah, I do. Would I blame you if you gave it a 9 out of 10? No. 
but the experiences and the memories that I have surrounding this film are what put it to a 10 out of 10. And the people around me that know I love this film reinforce that because they know it's my favorite. They'll get me little memorabilia for the film and whatever. And it does reinforce my love for the film. All of it is an experience and it all ties together. I guess what I'm talking about and what I'm trying to say is that you shouldn't be afraid to like a movie how you like the movie. Now, listen, people are going to fight you if you have a controversial view and you should be ready for that. If you come into a conversation and you're trying to tell me that Avengers Endgame or Infinity War is a 1 out of 10, you better be able to back that up. And I'm just picking those movies out of because because they're widely renowned as being great. You know, or let's say Titanic, you know, whatever. Let's say you pick out Titanic and you say that Titanic's a one out of 10, dude. One of the worst films I've ever seen, hands down. You better be able to back that up because to say that it's that far below average is a bold statement. But at the same time, it's those conversations that keep this whole thing going sometimes you have to fight with someone on why you dislike or why you like something to get a feel for why you like it in the first place sometimes those conversations are actually instrumental to to how you rate films in the future how you discuss them in the future some of my favorite film conversations are with people in group chats where i will say something controversial and people will attack me for it and I'll defend it and it turns into this big flowing conversation about why we like certain things the whole purpose of this of this video of this podcast it's those conversations that drove me to make this video to make this podcast cuz i think it's a fun idea to explore and that's why i love letterboxd and and that's why I understand when some people dislike Rotten Tomatoes or, the, or they'll say, well, you can't judge a movie based on the critics. And to an extent, I disagree. I think Rotten Tomatoes average score gets it right most of the time. For those of you that didn't know, because a lot of people don't, the tomato score for a film is not the rating for that film. The tomato score is the average... I mean, I'm sorry. The tomato score is... The percentage of critics that think the film is worth watching. That's it. 7 out of 10 above. For instance, I pulled up Joker. Joker has a 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. Does that, film, does that mean that the film is a 6.9 out of 10? No. If you click more info, you can see the average rating, which is a 7.25 out of 10. Similar, but not the same. I bring this up for films like, let's bring up Black Panther. Black Panther is a film that pretty much everyone in the world is going to say you should go see. And you, sh and you should. You absolutely should. I bet this film has an insanely high tomato score. It is at a 97%. Does that mean the film is a 9.7 out of 10? No. And if you click more info, you'll see the average rating is 8.28 out of 10. More reasonable. That's a, that's a reasonable score to give 
to give Black Panther. What I'm getting at here is I don't think, you know, it's hard because I understand when people say, well, the critics have their own agenda, and sometimes they do. Sometimes a film will get rated higher or lower than it should because of the subject matter and because the critics lean a certain way. Maybe I think most critics are kind of liberal, progressive. They might view certain ideas in a different light than the general public might. But if that's how you feel, then check out the audience score as well. You know what I mean? I think that about... I think that about wraps it up. I don't really... I mean, how long... I've been going for 48 minutes. That's pretty good. I hope you watched this episode. I know it's really laid back. I know it's not the typical episode for me. It. A lot of you probably won't even watch because you don't like to listen to me ramble, but I hope you did. I hope you made it this far. Like I said, next week is going to be 2019 in review. That's going to be a really good episode. I think people are going to watch that one. I'm going to talk about tons of films. In the comment section below, if you're on YouTube or somewhere else, you can leave comments that this is posted. I would love if you told me your thoughts on how you judge a movie. And while you're at it, tell me what some of your favorite 2019 films were, and I'll talk about them. Feel free to follow me on Letterboxd. I'll leave the link to that in the description below. You can see how I've rated every film that I've ever watched. And starting from 2018 onward, you can also see what day I watched that film. Thanks for tuning in. This has been Movies with Rose. Peace out, guys.